Welcome to Momentum Church. Amen. Well, good to be with all y'all today. I want to address just real quick a little bit about that Kids Fest that for me is so impactful. Sometimes we look at things like that when we're serving the city and we don't realize what it really means beneath the surface. What it means is trust is what it means. I cannot tell you how many times people in the community have reached out to us. I'm talking about city leaders. I'm talking about those who are first responders, people that don't even go to our church, going through some of the worst moments of their life. But guess who they call? They call momentum. Pastor, will you counsel us? Pastor, will you meet with us? Pastor Stephanie, will you? And so on and so on. And I don't say that as a brag. I'm just letting you know. You may think giving candy to four or five, 6,000 children is just a little thing. It isn't. It's huge. Because it earns us, if you will, that right to pour in other things when those needs arrive. And they do. Amen. And, um, and I just, it was funny, years ago, and, and this isn't a part of the sermon, all right? So you know it's going to be real good. So year, years ago, when we first launched the church, my wife, she would say to me, she'd say, baby, do you want anybody to stay, you know? Because I would get so hard. Now, listen, I have matured a lot, amen? Haven't I? Those that have been with us a long time hasn't pastor matured, amen, yes, yeah, come on, come on. No, but early on in the ministry, I would say there's only two types of people at Momentum Church, the lost and those that want to serve and do something to reach the lost, amen? That's it, two types of people. So I would say things like this. Now, again, I wouldn't say this now. I'm so much more mature. But I used to say things like this. I would say, so if you're a Christian and you're coming to Momentum, in other words, you're already a believer and you're coming here, then you're not part of the lost, you're part of the found, amen? So then that means the only other thing for you to do then is to serve. And I would even say this. This is the part that Amy would say to me, do you want anybody to stay? I would say things like, I would never say this now, ever. I would say things like, so if you're a Christian and you want to sit on your hands, this isn't the place for you. You can go to First Baptist because Johnny has 7,500 seats. And you can go get lost over there. It's a great church, by the way. It really is. But I would say things like that. And Amy would say to me, Ross, do you want anybody to stay? And I would say, yes, people who will work. That's who I want to stay. Amen. All right, I'm done. God bless you. See you next week. (laughs) No, (laughs) but I'm so much more mature now. I would never say that ever, you know, but, but can I tell you something crazy? When we were a hundred people, we had about 60 adults that served. Amen. And when we were a couple hundred people, we'd have 140 people that served. Amen. And now we're 400 people and we don't have that same kind of percentage. Why? Because we're a nice brick church on the corner with nice seats and all this kind of stuff. I wish we were dirty again. I wish we were in a warehouse again. I wish we had a hunger again to reach people like we did 10, 12, 15 years ago when we didn't have hundreds. Amen. But now I'm more mature, and I would never say that. (laughs) I'm just, can I just be real open with you? I love our church. I do. Do you know the average church in America, 80% of churches in America are 80 to 100 people. That's it. Or less than the average church in America. 
So y'all, I'm looking at above average folk right here, amen? <laughs> but God didn't call us to have hundreds so that we can come in and have good coffee. We got good coffee. So we can come in and have good lights. We got good lights. So we can come in and have good worship. We got some of the best worship ever, amen? God has called us to have hundreds so that we can be a force in this community, amen? Amen, that was not the sermon, that's an hors d'oeuvre. Let's get the next course up and ready, all right? I want you to open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 12. While you're turning there, sometimes in life, this is the last of our series on Above the Line. We're going to close it up today. We're going to wrap it up and give you some solutions, some practical steps in what to do to stay above the line. But sometimes in life, we can feel like our experiences that we're going through, it's like a bad drama. You know what I mean? Like you're a player, an actor in a bad script, and that you're a character in a play that's already been written, and the outcome is outside of your ability to change. Have you ever felt like that before? For some of you, that drama, it might be a drama. For some of you, you're like, man, it's a horror film, right? Some of you, it's, it's a Hallmark romantic comedy, a rom-com. My wife loves rom-coms, and I love my wife, so I love rom-coms too, right? But every one of us will go through things at times that will make us feel like, man, this is a script that I'm not in charge of. This is a script that I can't control. This is a script that, man, I don't want the life I'm experiencing right now. Am I alone in that? There's people in this room, maybe it's a marriage issue, or maybe it's a financial issue that you're going through, and you're trying to figure out how I want, pastor's been saying all month, this line, I want to live above the line, but oh, Ross, you don't realize what I'm going through. There is so much drama in my life. Remember the drama triangle? You know, so there's a hero, there's a victim, there's a villain, you know, there's so much drama being written in the script I'm having to live, you'll never understand, Ross, what I'm going through. And you're probably right. I get it. You won't understand stuff I'm going through. Maybe for you, that drama that you're going through, that script is something dealing with your career or career choices. Maybe for you, Ross, I'm going through so much at school. This professor, he is so much more difficult than most of my professors. I'm doing great in all my grades except for this one. And if I don't get a passing grade in this one, I'm going to lose my hope because my parents said, if you want hope, that's the only hope you're going to have is the hope scholarship, you know, and I'm going to lose that. And you're all stressed because of your grades and you're struggling. And maybe you're like, Ross, the script for me is I'm always losing my keys. <laughs> and if I arrive somewhere on time, it's an accident, Right? It's like everything you set yourself for in the morning to get to things on time, etc. Everything's playing against you. And here you are again, five, seven, eight minutes late for the appointment that you have. And you're just like, oh. This past week, I had this wonderful opportunity to take eight pastors into the woods on a hike. It was a prayer hike. Back in the spring, I had one pastor say, Ross, would you be willing to lead us on a hike that would be a prayer retreat? type backpacking trip. Man, we had a good time. In spite of the name, we had a good time. I, I named this thing. My, my staff's like, Ross, that's ridiculous. But I loved it. I'm going to see what you guys think. I named this event the Hike and Harken. 
Shut up. <laughs> because we're going to walk into the woods toward the voice of God. Is that good? Well, my staff, they're all like the hiking hurricane. Are you going to wear your leader hosen? You know? Ricola! <laughs> you know? We're going on the hiking hurricane. God is good. You know? So next year, they want me to host it again, and we're going to. It's going to be called the Backpacking in the Woods and Prayer Retreat for Pastors. That's, that's, that's what it's going to be called. But, but truth of the matter, we got together, and we sat around the campfire, and it was so powerful because that night, I got to hear stories of wins, but I also got to hear stories of struggles. The script that was held up that we got to experience in one pastor's life, because we're peers, other pastors had had that same script. Some of the challenges that they faced, some of the victories that they had won, some of the struggles that they were still in. It doesn't feel good when you're around some people that just understand, amen? And that's how that was. We're sitting around that fire, and, and I just realized, you know what? God is behind everything. If we'll allow ourselves to stay above, if we'll allow ourselves to stay above the line and allow God to be a creator in our life, allow God and others to challenge us, Amen. What's this next one? Yeah, you guys are awesome. Allow somebody to coach. And we experienced that around the campfire with the pastors. There was challenge going on. There was coaching going on. You could tell at times one of us would dip down below the line, and we would want to get into that why me kind of thing. But we were growing together because God was wanting a different script written for our families and for our ministries. And I'm here to tell you right now, if you're in here right now, and you're going through an issue in whatever it might be, family, marriage, career, school, whatever it is, and the enemy's trying to pull you below the line. God has a plan. And if you'll stay above the line, you'll see him write out something powerful and beautiful that the gates of hell will not be able to stop. Amen? I want you to stand to your feet. Let's look at what the word says about this. In Hebrews 12, 1 through 2. <clears throat> Therefore, we also... Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with the endurance that is set before us, looking unto Jesus. You ready for this? The author. Shout author. In other words, yes, there's some things being written against me, but there is one that is authoring things. And if I can keep myself out of this drama triangle and stay above the line, he is the author and the finisher of our faith. Amen? And, and it says here, the sins that easily ensnare us. That's sins, I believe, that both we have committed but also sins that have been committed against you. Those things that others have caused to bring tension into your life. Both try to ensnare. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, would you help us today to just finish this series, learning principles from your word that move us from below to above the line. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Go ahead and have your seat. Those sins that you feel have been maybe committed against you. Those things, that tension that makes you feel like a victim. Or maybe you feel somebody else has caused you to feel like they think you're the villain, you know? That, that, that tension. And Man, this past spring, I was ensnared. I'm just going to be honest. I was hurting, guys. 
And, and, and as I felt this tension in my own family that I was experiencing, I won't go through all the details, but everything that you've ever felt, I'm a hero, I felt like, you know? And it's being challenged, I felt. And man, all those things caused me to go below the line. And if you know anything about Ross Wiseman, when he goes below the line, he goes to food. Amen? I just, that's where it's at for me. And this past spring, I went to Food for Comfort. After 20 months of sobriety, then you're like, sobriety? Pastor's fat and a drunk? No. Sobriety, I'm talking about in the area of food. Like being able to keep control of it. Being able to say, you know what? I'm not running to Food for Comfort. I'm, I'm finding my, my comfort where I need to find my comfort. But man, all this spring, all this is happening. And after 20 months of sobriety and two months, I put on 30 pounds in two months, drunk on donuts, I don't know what you want to call it, but just, I mean, I went to it fast. Amy knew things were wrong. Are you okay? Are you okay? No, I'm not okay. Shut up, woman. <laughs> Mouth is awful. No. <laughs> it was horrible. Man, after about, oh, two and a half, three months of that, it's about mid-May, I decided I'm going to share it with a friend. And I started this story a few weeks ago. I never resolved it. And so I decided I was going to share this with a friend, what I was going through, the pain, the, the, the hurt, the why me, why is this happening to me, you know? And so I got vulnerable with a pastor friend of mine and just poured it all out, and it felt so good just to get it off my chest. This is what's going on in my family. This is where I just, and I just poured it all out. A couple weeks later, I get home after work, and Amy said to me, she said, Ross, you're not going to be happy. And I, I, I got my cup of coffee, and I'd come outside, and she was sitting there, and she goes, you're not going to be happy. Well, you know what? When a wife says you're not going to be happy, the playwright might as well put in the script beside, in parentheses and italicized, get ready to act real ugly. Because that's how the script is playing out right now. You know, I mean, I'm looking at the script like, why am I not going to be happy? And she says, when Maverick was at PK retreat, that's pastor's kids retreat. The Assemblies of God hosts that. It's Mac's first time. When they're 10, they can go for a couple days. When Mac was at PK retreat, this pastor's son, who's 12, came up to Maverick and said to Mac, I hate to hear what your family's going through, etc., 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 told the kid everything, to which Mac is 10, and he's just like, I, I, he didn't even know what half the stuff meant. Like, what? no, no, that's not, I don't, I think you're confused kind of a thing. Thank God this young boy had enough emotional intelligence. He realized what had just happened, and he backed his way out of the conversation. Amen? So that was good. But my wife is seated, and I'm standing with this exact mug, Christmas tree. I know it's almost June, favorite mug of Amy's. I think this was purchased. I think Annie got this for you, if I remember right. Nope. Better story if she had. That's a, it's a friend. I'm going to say Annie got this for her, a missionary friend of ours. No, she's a, But it was some, it's, it's one of her favorites, right? It's very nice. So I'm standing there with this, and she's seated. And when she said at the culmination of January, February, March, April, May, sharing finally with somebody outside of my inner circle, I finally shared with somebody, and then that trust violated. Guys, I told this a couple weeks ago, and so I do not curse much, 
okay? A few times I have. But I took that coffee, and I threw that cup into the woods, and I said the F word. Can I tell you, it felt really good in the moment. I did. It just did. It felt appropriate in the moment. It wasn't. Amy seated beside me, that tension that I felt and released below the line, I didn't release it in an above the line way, that tension, it scared my girl. Because she's not used to hearing that word come out of any other person's mouth but her own, you know? And so... (laughs) Oh, my gosh, that was... I could not wait to drop that. All day I've been waiting for that moment. But, but no, and, and, and she felt that tension, and it brought fear to her. You know, it wasn't directed at her, but it was such a violent, you know, visceral kind of action that it freaked her out to which she gets up, and she, I'm out of here kind of a thing, and she takes off, and I'm like, well, hold on, honey. I mean, it's okay for me to be angry. I have a right to be mad. I can't believe he did that to me, the villain that he is. I, I can't. I'm, I've been good. I've been trying to help this whole situation, and all I want to do is share it with a friend. And now look, victim. She, that intensity of the drama, of the script that was being written in that moment. Man, the playwright over in the corner, wife exits scene, you know. And she takes off for the bedroom, which I don't blame her. And I was left, in a sense, with the thought in that moment, am I, am I going to act above or below the line? How am I going to respond to this? Is this the script I'm going to live? Or am I going to begin to live above the line in this moment? And again, we've been studying this, this concept for over a year, Amy and I. And so that was deep in my heart. Like in that moment, I could tell I wanted to stay in the drama triangle. I didn't want to move up into the conscious triangle. I wanted to stay in that drama and lick my wounds, if you will. But in that moment, am I going to go back down the path of bitterness and self-soothing through food? Is that what I'm going to do? Or in that moment, am I going to rise above the line? Can I just tell you for you, it may be the same way. Whatever you're facing right now, it's an invitation for growth. Whatever you're facing right now, it's an invitation to step up and get above the line. And in that moment for me that night, no, that's not who I am anymore. And I'm here to declare to you as well, no matter what you're facing, no matter how bad the script looks, that's not who you are anymore either. Amen? Oh, it's who you once was. Is who wants to rise up, but the Bible says you're a new creature, creation. Ha. Old things have passed away. Everything has become new. In other words, a different script is being written. Watch what it says in Colossians 2. Ooh, this is a good one. And you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he is made alive together with him. Like that old you is dead, it's gone. You're alive in Christ now. Having forgiven you all trespasses. Remember I said God is an author and he's writing a script? Well, the enemy of your heart would love to write a script against you. Having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. That old script is written and it's put upon the cross. 
Doesn't have to be the guide for your life any longer. Verse 15, having disarmed principalities and powers. I believe that when we're going through things, it's not just your flesh, man. You're dealing with supernatural things. The enemy would love for that anger and that, that, that anger not to be dealt with in a holy way, for it to rise in me even deeper and just become my, my, my go-to. The enemy would love for me to be distant from pastors. I was with those pastors this week. Do you know one of the first thoughts I had? Don't share nothing. Keep your mouth shut. Lead them, but don't you share anything. Don't get too vulnerable. Don't get too open. Why? Because that's what you do, right? But no, all that, I'm not going to listen to the lie of the enemy. No, no, no. There's a goodness that comes when I'm dealing with my peers and I'm getting that help as well as it is for you as well. Amen? And so in this, it says, he made a public spectacle of them, those those demonic forces that would try to keep you below the line, triumphing over them in it. And it's not just about you going from below the line to above the line. That's not what I'm saying. This affects everything. It's not just going above the line. It's literally flipping the script. That's what it's doing. It's flipping the script. It's allowing God to finish the story rather than allowing the enemy to have his way in the midst of it. But if you're going to get above the line and see your script flipped, then you're going to have to do something. And this is the overarching thought for the day, okay? You're going to have to train your spirit before the situation. That's what today's all about. Training your spirit ahead of your situation. Getting a mindset. We're going to go through some things here. Getting a mindset. Next time that happens... Next time I sense that tension, next time I face this trial, when that happens, this is how I'm going to deal with it. We're going to train our spirit ahead of our situation. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5 talks about this, where we're not going to just go through life unconscious, but we're going to go through life consciously. In other words, living consciously. I've told you that means that you're awake. Do you know the reason why I threw that mug and acted so ugly? Because I was on autopilot in that moment. I allowed myself to not be awake in that moment. So we're going to cause our hearts to live consciously. And when things come that are thoughts that are not the way God would have us to think or actions not the way God would have us to act, we're going to deal with those. And here's what it says, 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3 through 5. For though we walk in the flesh... We do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. In other words, the things you're dealing with, it's not just natural. There's a supernatural component here. That anger felt like it was rooted in natural tension. But if I allow myself to embrace that, and continue living below the line with that, that anger will cause me to be a bitter wreck of a preacher. I've met too many pastors in their 50s and 60s that are bitter. Well, I love ministry if it wasn't for people. I hate that saying. I've heard that saying since I was a young preacher at 19 years old. If it wasn't for people, I'd love... That's all it is, is about people. And guess what? People are stupid. (laughs) Maybe not stupid. People do stuff. I do stuff. We make mistakes. We hurt each other. It's part of life. But I don't want to be that guy to where the enemy gets in and starts to work that natural tension, that natural hurt 
I'm not saying we live with our head in the sand by no means. But we are angry, but we don't sin. What do we do with that anger? For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. This sounds very active. Listen, bringing every thought into captivity. This is extremely living in a conscious way. That thought's below the line. I'm going to take that thought and I'm going to deal with that thought. That thought needs rebuked. That thought needs coached. That thought needs challenged. That thought needs whatever I need to do with that thought. When it tries to raise itself up above the knowledge of God or his word, I'm going to bring it down. I'm going to bring it into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Amen? And so that's what happened that day. In that moment, in that moment, something happened. Something happens. We're going through life. Whatever is going on, you're living consciously. I'm in a good place. Have you ever said that before? I'm in such a good place right now. Medicine's working. Counseling's working. Life's good. You know, you, whatever it is that's getting you there. I'm just saying, I'm in a good place, you're saying. Right? And then something happens. And when something happens, like that night, I had a choice. And in that night, I started off poorly. Number one, what you do is you begin to drift. Something happens, and I drift. If I'm not careful, I will drift all the way here to the drama triangle. And when I drift to the drama triangle, it holds me captive. I'm not taking those thoughts captive, those decisions captive. I'm not bringing those into the obedience of Christ. I am commiserating with those things. Licking my wounds, planning my attack, whatever it might be that's below the line. And so you drift and you find yourself here locked in. The second thing you can choose is a different kind of drift. You start to drift because something's happened, and you start to drift over this way. All right? You're trying to stay above the line. You're a little bit below, but you're one to be conscious. You're a little bit low, but you've trained your spirit ahead of the situation. I'm not saying you won't go through stuff, but when you do, you start to feel the pull to drift down here, and you're like, no, I'm not. I am, I am going to do what it takes to get above the line. I'm going to do whatever it takes. Here's what it is. Ready? I'm going to do whatever it takes to shift where I'm at right now. The emotions, the senses, the feelings, the anger, the, the hurt. Let's say for you, you're above the line is lust, or you're below the line is lust. I'm going to do everything I can do right now to shift and begin to move myself back above the line, back to living consciously in the moment. If you're going to do that, I want to give you four questions that will help you kind of get a hold of it and then we're going to give you a resolve, an actual practical way of making that shift. So the first question you need to ask when you're facing tension, and this is the question I asked that day. Amy went to her room, and I, I, I asked this question of myself. Where am I? Where am I right now? Why is this hurting so bad? What, why, why does this feel like such a violation right now? And, I, and, and to be honest, to me, because I'm a Christian, that looks like me talking half to myself and half to God in a sense. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm it's, God, I don't understand. Why am I going through this? Lord, help me to understand. I'm praying is what I'm saying, but I'm, I'm, I'm questioning myself. Where am I? 
I was hurting. I was angry. That's where I was. I was below the line. Cursing like that as a pastor and throwing that mug and scaring my wife. That was below the line. Below the line is triggered. It's reactive. It's autopilot. I was all of those and then some. Can you shout Amy? She says, amen, you were. Yeah. <clears throat> Once you ask, answer that question, where are you? Are you above the line or below the line? Second question, can I accept myself for being where I am? Am I okay with that? I've been teaching you guys about responsibility. This is where responsibility comes in. So you realize I'm below the line, and you know what? You are 100% allowed to stay there. That's a responsible choice. I'm not saying that it's responsible, but it's your responsibility. You can take 100% ownership and say, I'm not ready. I'm not ready to forgive. I'm not ready to forget. I'm not ready to get past. I'm mm, I still want a little bit of an eye for an eye and a little bit of a tooth for a tooth right now. Amen? And that's okay. I'm not saying it's going to get you above the line, but that's the first step. You've got to realize where are you, and then can you accept yourself for there? And you know what your answer might be? Pastor, I'm staying below the line for a while. That's fine. If you do that, just know both the outcome of getting above the line or trying to go above the line or staying below the line, both the outcomes of those are whose choice? Don't say the devil did this. Don't say, no, no, no. It's your choice. And that's an okay choice if you're not ready yet. I'm just, I'm just saying. It's, you know what it is? It's a conscious choice. I know I am staying below the line. I'm okay to reap the harvest of being below the line right now. Well, okay. Until you're ready to go above the line, then that's what's going to happen, you know? But it's your choice. Don't, don't get into the victim. They keep doing this to me. No, no, no. You're not acting a way that's getting you above the line. Amen? All right. <clears throat> so, third thing. If you realize you're below the line and you want to get above the line, am I willing to shift? You ask yourself, am I willing to do what it takes to shift, to get above the line? And I'm going to teach you here in a second some, some shifting skills, because the fourth question is, how am I going to shift? So yes, I'm below the line. Yes, I don't want to stay below the line. Yes, I want to shift. I want to move back above the line. I need to know how to move above the line. I, I'm willing to do whatever it takes to move above the line. And so I'm going to give you four things that you need to do to shift above the line. Now, these four things aren't in any specific order, per se. Like I said, for me, a lot of my shifting starts with prayer, really. Amen? It's a good place always to start as a Christian, seeking God. Amen? But I didn't put my notes that way. So you have to just kind of take these things as they come. So the first thing, you locate the center of control. I've been teaching about this. You look at your life and say, I'm not placing this anymore. I am taking control of what I can take control of. Can you take control of the whole thing? Could I can take control of my pastor friend? I can't, but I can take control of what I can take control of. Amen? So last spring, going through all this stuff, the angry outburst, etc. guess what pastor did in June? I went to a counselor. I, man, I started going every couple of weeks to the counselor through the summer. He'd get me laid down. No, he didn't. I was hoping for that. <laughs> How many's ever been to a counselor? You're like, I, I, don't, I, don't have to, I don't have to lay down? I want to lay down. Whatever. But that was work. That was, I'm putting the work in. He gave me a book to read. I read the book. He would send articles. I read the articles. And so on. 
But, but Ross, that sounds like you've got help from another. You're saying you have to do the work. Well, nobody was making that phone call to him but me, right? He didn't call me and say, hey, I think you should come in. No, I called him. I think I should come in. You see what I'm saying? So it was me. I was taking responsibility for what I could take responsibility for in that moment, getting help. Maybe for you, you're holding bitterness against somebody, and you need to offer forgiveness. Whether they accept it or not, you need to offer forgiveness. That's you taking the work. In that moment with me, Amy went upstairs, and I decided, because I've been living this out, this above and below the line the last year, in that moment... I decided I was going to do the work. I decided I'm not, I'm not going to go to bed having just licked my wounds and continued on with my bitterness and anger that this guy misused my, my trust. I'm, I'm not. I'm going to do the work. Number two, I'm going to hold the person responsible. That's the second part. Hold others responsible for their part. In other words, the part that only they can do. That man needed to understand that his son is, yes, has a very pastoral heart, and I think he does, but he's 12 years old, and as a dad, you didn't tell him, hey, this is confidential, and we're going to pray for the wise men's, but this isn't information to be told out, because the boy has a pastoral heart, but he doesn't have pastoral sense yet, so you have to coach that, right, amen, and help him understand confidentiality and so on. So I was going to hold my friend responsible, all right? I'm going to get back to that story in just a little bit, all right, how that ends. So that's the second part. Number three, use shifting moves. Use shifting moves. The first move is you need to feel the feels. Sometimes we just don't allow ourselves to feel stuff long enough. We take a blow, shake it off, and we go on. Man, you got, a, you got like a, a spiritual concussion. There's damage in your head that you don't even realize. And you're functioning in a way from this concussive experience that people don't, you're like, what, what, why are you making decisions? Why are you acting like this? Why are you, well, I'm okay, I'm okay. No, you just took a blow. You didn't allow yourself to stop and feel, feel the feels. Do you realize that your blood and body chemistry when you're going through things, will create a chemical cocktail that literally causes you to freeze, to fight, or to flight? Did you know that? This is some things that you may not hear in church very often, but did God make our body, mind, and spirit? Yeah, I want to I hone in on the body for just a little bit, okay? You need to feel the feels because that chemistry is going on, and that chemistry drives you to fight, flight, or, or freeze, and, and basically, it's what drives the drift. Your body chemistry drives the drift. And so drifting, I'll give you some examples. Blaming, concealing, worrying, complaining. This was one that surprised me. Amy shows up on a Wednesday, and I'm sitting in my chair. She's like, you okay? I'm like, yeah, yeah. What are you doing? I, I don't know. I'm just sitting here. Well, maybe it's 11 o'clock. When did you sit down? I, I don't know. I think maybe 9. I don't. Have you been watching anything? No. You reading it? No. Call the ambulance. No, I'm teasing. But it freaked, her out. It freaked me out because I... Spacing out can be a drift. I literally just, all the stuff we were facing, I just spaced out for like two hours. I was like, where did two hours go? How do you sit in a chair 
with your thoughts and lose two hours. It's a drift. You're spacing out. How about ignoring the situation? Here's one. Facebooking or excessive watching of television, you know, or shopping, whatever you need to do to get the dopamine fixed, to keep things moving, to keep your mind off the stuff that you're below the line with. That's a drift. How about whining? Here's one for your aggressive folk. Being sarcastic can be a drift. Ooh, rehearsing. Hmm. I'll tell you right now, when I talk to that man the next time, I'm going to give him a piece of my mind. I'm going to let him know this and this. And when he said that, I'm going to say this. And then he's going to say this, and then I'm going to say that. And then I'm going to... And you know what happens in those situations, because every one of us has done it. You come with an intensity that doesn't match the moment. And the person's like, whoa, wait a second. It's because you're living the script alone, and now you're trying to invite them into the moment. It's just rehearsing. It's not fixing anything. Seeking approval. I am hurting so bad. That person makes me feel like a villain, but I need to feel like a victim. And so I try to get my friends, listen, what's going on? And you begin to gossip. I can't believe they did this to me. And you begin to speak it out. And the more you speak it out, oh, I can't believe they did that to you. And you feel approved. I have a right to stay below the line. Procrastinating. How about drinking and drugging? Eating, that's mine. Compulsive working, that's mine. If I can just keep busy, keep busy, I won't feel all those feels. So as I said, no, 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 I want you to feel the feels deeply, all right? Don't go off into the drift. Feel the feels deeply. And when I say feel the feels, your body tells you stuff. Do you know that? When you're angry, you start to breathe shallow. When you're, when you're angry, you, you heat up, your hands start to sweat. When you're fearful, something causes you fear, you, you get cold. Your mouth will start to go dry. It's crazy what your body, God created you, mind, body, and spirit. And our bodies will tell us some stuff. I, I haven't done this in a long time. But, man, I, I would exhale. And, and old Eagle Ear, you know, that's, that's, that's Christy Cho, our admin, she, she, that girl can hear. Don't you ever gossip up in this church if Chrissy's around. She'll hear you. I'm telling you right now. And I, I'll be up getting coffee and, you okay, boss? I'm like, what, what, what? She goes, you exhaled. I didn't even notice it, but tension, tension. See that? Didn't even realize it. Your body will, sh- will show you those things, right? So as you're going through this, you press pause. So you start to drift, and instead of letting yourself drift down here, you press pause right there. I'm going to pause. I'm exploring my body. I want to know what I'm feeling. I want to feel the feels. I want to go to God and seek his presence. I, I want to stop right here in this moment. And that keeps you from acting below the line. In that moment, I could have continued on with that rant so ugly. I could have called that man and gave him a piece of my mind. So ugly, but in that moment, I pressed pause is what I did. It prepares you to act with purpose going forward. And that kind of goes into the next thing because this next thing is how I process that night. Number three, so you feel the feels, you press pause. Three, purposefully shift your body, your mind, and your spirit. All right? And guess what? That first thing, let's shift our bodies. 
You, you get mad and you get angry and, and your blood chemistry starts to get all cortisol in it and all the stuff pumping in it and, and you hold your breath and you breathe shallow, all that kind of stuff. It gets affected and next thing you know, you're bowing up. I tell you, I, you know, that aggressive posture. I'm not saying now when you need to be angry and God has you angry for the right reason. Like I said, I don't know if I said that in this service or last service. But, you know, Jesus, man, he fed the 5,000. He's sweet, meek, and mild. But, man, he had a whip, too. Did I say that in this service already? Good. That's good. That boy listens to both services. God bless him. <laughs> no. So, Christians, we don't have to be pushovers. No, there's times to be angry and not sin. Be aggressive, but not sin. There's times for that. Amen? You, you break in my house, you will find this out. So, but first, we need to shift our body. So that night, Amy went upstairs, and um, it was dark, so I didn't even go try to find the cup. Oh, by the way, thank you, Jesus. This is the cup. Amen? Her favorite cup, the Lord. I threw it. The Holy Ghost got all up around it, and just like a bubble, just like let it lay in the woods. We got pine tree everywhere. It never hit a tree. It never, there's not a chip one. It's got a little, little Christmas tree. It's so cute. So she went upstairs, and you know what I did? I changed my posture. I was standing up. I walked in the side, and I sat down in a chair. It's hard to be all bowed up when you're sitting. I was out in the back porch feeling, tell him what I'm going to. And I really remembered, no, change your body posture. So I went in, I sat down. And because I'm a praying person, I, I put my hands like this. Lord, help me with this. Jesus, I, I don't want to. He's wrong. But help me handle this right. Got my spirit in line. Amen. But there was something powerful about getting my physical body in line. Why? Because if I'm up and I'm, I'm closed, I'm not open. You know what I mean? Sitting down got me calmed and open. Maybe you're sitting and the situation needs you to be a little more aggressive. So stand up. But change your body posture. It changes your blood and your chemistry. Another way to change your blood chemistry, and again, you don't hear this at church a lot of times because people think it's yoga or something, but Breathe. Breathe. All that stuff is coursing through your blood chemistry. Take a second. Breathe in four good breaths and four good exhalate. Ex get the air out of you. You know what the counselor told me? The counselor said, Ross, there are people who need to stop and count to 10. You need to stop and count to 100. That's what he said. So Amy and I are at Rope Mill, and we get the kayak out with the kids, and, 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 and I told her, I said, baby, I said, we're going to go ahead and get this stuff out here. We'll carry it down to, the, to, the, to the, the creek here in a little bit. Let me go get the truck parked. Had to park way up on the hill, walk all the way down the hill. I get to her, and that woman had put everything together, all the chairs together on it. The, she had the fishing stuff. She had everything. It went from like 80 pounds to 120 pounds, and I'm just like, what, what, what are you doing? She's like, what do you mean? I'm like, I, we got to carry it to the creek, and then we'll haul the stuff over to it. Well, I'm just trying to help, and I'm like, but, but, and nothing makes you happy. You know, you, you're married. <laughs> and so, you know what I did? I was like, <sighs> she goes, what are you going to do? Just walk away? <laughs> no, I'm counting to 100. <laughs> and I walked around and counted to 100, came back, gave her a kiss. We had a great time, didn't we, babe? You know? I had to change my, my posture, had to just for a moment get some breathing going on, count a little bit. <laughs> so we not only shift our body, it shifts our mind. Your body posture, your body and your mind are connected. And so now you're not closed. 
Now you're not defensive. Now you're trying to find a solution to get back above the line. It changes your neurology, literally, when you begin to do this. And with that, your change in perspective starts to happen. As I sat in that chair, I began to think to myself, I know that's a praying family. I know that man loves the Lord. I know he has brought his kids up in a sense of being an intercessory family. They pray, and I know my friend's heart's right. And I was able to sit there and begin to get the right kind of mindset around that. Now, what I didn't do, I didn't just leave it be. Why? Because remember what I said? You hold people responsible. So I called him. And I let him know, hey, this is what happened. Before I even got it out of my mouth, he said, I know, I know. My son, he knew. But didn't want the drama to proactively call me. Hey, you may have an issue you know? Why? Because we don't like that. We don't like the tension. It's hard to live above the line. But in that moment, I didn't rebuke him for that. I just said, look, you got a little guy that's a great pastor in the making. It's just, just at that age, you have to let your kids know if you have them praying with you about a thing, like, hey, this is confidential, you know? And I dealt with it. I handled it. And when it was all said and done, guess what he said? Now, wife, my wife is upstairs still going, I can't believe he acted that way. She's frustrated with me, and rightfully so. Totally rightfully so. But she, I wanted her to be downstairs like, look how good I'm doing, honey. I'm doing it. And that man, when I finished the conversation, here's what he said. Thank you, pastor, for dealing with our family so graciously. Is that awesome? That wouldn't have been me a year ago, two years ago, three years ago. I would have been below the line, and I would have gave him a piece of my mind. And I probably wouldn't have done it right then. I would have done it a week or two later as I mauled over it and got a real good rehearsed Mm, script on, you know. The next day, the little boy, he texts me, Pastor, I'm so sorry. Sends me a picture of himself. He's just such a cute kid. I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to hurt you guys. I just meant to be a person of prayer, blah, blah, blah. And I was able to write back to him, you know, blah, blah. You know, I, I said all the good stuff back to him. And man, it ended up being a beautiful thing, right? But in the moment, it hurts so bad. That final thing, and we're done. And again, I think for me, I probably do this first. Surrender the control to God. In other words, give God what only God can do. You do that through prayer. That's that third shift that happens. You have that shift in your body, that shift in your spirit, or your mind, rather. And you need that shift in your spirit as well. Again, as believers, that's probably the first thing I would say to go toward. But that locus of control that you had placed on somebody else, can't believe you did this. You pull that back towards yourself. You take responsibility. But that's too much of a burden for yourself. Before I ever called my friend, I sat there. God, please help me with this. I know he's a good man. And I gave that control through surrender back to the Lord. Amen? Laid it in the hands of Jesus. Can you see how that works? To get you back to a place where you allow God to be the creator, the challenger, the coach in your life. That you don't stay locked in the drama triangle. Do you see how that works to shift above the line? Amen? That's who God's called us to be. Not people that will never face things happening, because they will. But when we face them, we face them in such a way that we rise above the line. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for this series. Thank you for the truths that you have brought to bear upon our hearts. And Lord God, allow us to grow. This is a skill Allow us to grow in this skill set that we can be people that honor you 
and that all we do is for the good of you and the glory, for the glory of you and the good of others. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.